we can go on forever, is just do it. Don't overthink it. Is it going to be great or people are going to like it? Who cares? Like, that's one thing that I will stand behind is I never gave a shit really if anybody cared. Certainly, like, I'm sure that <laughs> I don't know if anyone still cares, but I didn't care because it was all about me. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams and B2B tech. The two of the nicest guys around and the work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm super pumped because our guest is Jorge Soto, founder, host, investor at Soto Ventures Fund, and also head of content and community at Reprise. Jorge, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's always nice to be on the other side of these episodes, just because I've done so many recordings over the years, and um, and I'm always on the host side. So it's cool to be now a guest. So I really appreciate it because you have some really badass folks on this. So I'm honored. <laughs> I appreciate that. So I want to kind of, for everyone listening, I want to kind of focus on like the big idea of like what this episode is about. So Soto Ventures Lab is a startup incubator focused on building MarTech and sales tech products. And for people who have been in the marketing sphere, the term MarTech is something that's not new to them. But for my listeners who are not very familiar with the word, MarTech is the software and technology used to execute, kind of manage and optimize marketing campaigns. Marketing, MarTech is especially important today because in this new age, delivering great quality content is not enough. But with the use of technology, you can ensure that the campaign built is relevant to your target audience. So Jorge, today we're going to focus on personal branding. We're going to talk about Soto Ventures. We're going to talk about Reprise. Like we're going to talk about everything. And so everyone kind of knows who you are. So let's kind of get into it. And I want to focus the first question around what MarTech products have you been involved with and how did that technology work in leveraging the data that was inputted? Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because I've just recently moved over to the marketing side about a year ago or so. I've always been like, I, I guess I people ask me, what do you do? You know, well, people ask everybody that, right? And I, I always default to, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been since I was a, a junior in undergrad building or attempting to build uh, web companies or internet companies or technology companies. I guess I was in the Wi-Fi game back then. So I just got involved. I've, I've always been, whenever I've had a, like a W-2 job, like a real job that wasn't one of my venture shenanigans, I was on the sales side. But I have to say that over the years, I've really enjoyed the ABM movement over the last several years. And, you know, you look at companies like Terminus, shout out to Sangram and Nikki Nixon, who early Sales Loft and then Terminus, what they did really being able to, 
I think it's not like a new concept of being targeted, right? But I think what is new, and I think this is largely the case for most of these uh, spaces that are now emerging as categories that are now fueled by the technology is very much the technology, right? So data is so huge in everything we do these days, but I think particularly ABM is really, really made possible by that data, being able to not just do things, but make sure that the things that we're doing are resonating with the right accounts at the right time with the right message. We've heard that little statement plenty of times, but that wasn't really available until the the, the onset of this data. I worked for a, a startup company for a short period of time, but I started off advising the CEO and then joined for a bit. It was called Node.io, and they had this uh, data set that would allow you to really be able to understand in really granular fashion your target accounts, right? And then it would even serve you insights around what would most likely resonate with the prospect or that persona. So I'd say that that was really like a system that allowed you to optimize the records in the marketing automation system and the CRM system, of course, Salesforce, or it had integrations. And it used things such as even, uh, or parameters such as like being able to look at your opportunities or accounts that you've seen success with. And this is not just closing because this, I think this is an important concept too. It's not about just who closed. Cause like as salespeople, been a salesperson my, my whole life that you can close certain deals sometimes just cause you were able to build a nice relationship. They're like, Oh, you know what? George doesn't suck that much. Let me go ahead and buy this thing, see if it works. But over time, are you being successful? Right. And so all the CS stuff that ends up going on, are they resigning? Right. Are they seeing true value from your solution? So, you know, what Node did is it or sales organization, marketing organization, be able to look at all that information and then inform the way that we would then market, communicate, et cetera, to particular accounts. Right. So taking that ICP parameter and really getting super deep, right? Because it's interesting because like early on it was like, okay, well, do these accounts make sense from a geographic perspective? Maybe some like higher level firmographics like number of employees or revenue if you can get that information, right? But nowadays it's much deeper than that, right? It's what is the technology stack? right, that they're using, who are the personas and how are they using it, right? One persona that's part of that buying committee and value community committee, right? It's like the stakeholder who has to use that system on a daily basis or on some regular cadence, are they seeing value? So how are you digging in and understanding those things? So I think like systems like Node, you know what? I mean, maybe Sixth Sense is probably still doing it these days. I know they've branched out into other areas. They're starting to compete with like the ABM players. I know Metadata in Colorado, I think they are. Shout out to those folks over there. Olivier and them. So all that, that whole sort of ecosystem, G2, I think is also doing some nice stuff around intent data. Bombora has been doing stuff for a while around that. So that that's what I'd say, just organizations that I've 
or tools that I've either you know interfaced with in some way, or of course know that I worked at, are really I think moving the needle and leveraging data to be better uh, better marketers. Nice, nice. I appreciate you kind of saying that. And so you brought up something. You were in sales, you know, before switching over to marketing, and so you hosted a demo series for Reprise. And so I'm curious, how did this demo contribute to sales? Like. Do you think all startups can utilize demos to drive sales, or do you think this is more focused only in in B2B? Well, I'm biased, so I'm going to say all startups can leverage a demo. And what is a demo? It's really an experience that allows a prospect or a potential customer to experience your product before making a decision, right? And so I think any business can do that. And, you know, I always talk about my door-to-door sales days back in the day when I was in grad school. I Instead of like flipping burgers or, you know, working at a pizza joint or some other thing, in the summertime, I'd go and, and sell these like books and CD-ROMs, if you can imagine CD-ROMs. I guess I am 40 now. But, you know, I talk about this because even that experience, even that sales cycle, right, even that business We sold books, right? Like it seems so foreign these days, but I had a demo book. I literally had a book that was a, and this is Arthur, by the way. I didn't want him barking. So he's sitting on my lap right now. But I literally used to sell these books that were these big encyclopedia things, right? And so obviously I could not carry those several volumes of those that set door to door. So I had a demo book. So you can sort of think about how that's an example of how I am able to, as a salesperson, as a marketer as well, leverage that even outside of just B2B, even outside of technology. So do demos impact sales and just your whole motion? Absolutely. Right. And I think it's really important to be able to, especially in this product led growth world, be able to sort of conceptualize it as what I said earlier is what experience can I put out there that allows my prospect to interact with my product before making a decision. Now that decision might be, I don't want to talk to a salesperson yet. That's okay. And this is not about (laughs) bashing the salespeople at all, right? This is just saying we're going to improve or create a, a buying experience that is led or dictated by the prospect, no longer a, a world where you know a salesperson now ends up pushing a prospect into some sort of sales motion or buying motion, right? So I think it's all about increasing or improving the customer experience. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you because that's something that we focus on internally at Alice. It's like, you got to create moments for your prospects and customers and moments turn into momentum, which hopefully kind of thrive on everything else. So totally there with you. As someone who's been involved in sales and marketing tech for almost 21 years, how would you advise a B2B company to infuse personal branding into their company to drive more sales? You know, I was talking to a friend of mine last night about doing like SaaS events because we talk about personal branding. And I, I guess I've been doing it for a long time for 
a variety of different reasons. But we were talking and we're like, not, you know, I'm based in Miami now. I, uh, I'm from Miami originally, but I went out to the Bay Area and New York City and uh, a couple other areas back in the day because, you know, there was nothing here in Miami. Now that's sort of popping up. But in any case, we, I was chatting with my buddy who was a sales leader at WeWork and some other tech companies for a while. And I was like, Javier, let's do some like free events just to help the community. And it keeps us sharp and personal branding stuff as well. Right. And he talked about or he wanted to talk about rather at the event that we're scheduling coming up sales. And I had always been on the sales side, like I said. Right. So and then I was like, you know what? I want to talk about marketing. Right. As particularly in go to market. And that was really a unique kind of moment for me because I. I realized that I had arrived as a marketer in an interesting way and that I was really stoked about it. So to answer your question, what are some ways that you can really be able to, as a B2B organization, leverage personal branding? Number one, like we buy from people, right? I mean, (laughs) we all know that, right? Like if you look at the social media accounts that are associated with a brand, like their employees, et cetera, versus like their brand or their corporate accounts. Their corporate accounts are interesting, but you get way more engagement and value from these individual personal accounts. So that's one real, you know, really quick observation. Look at Gong, right? Look at outreach.io. Shout out to Manny and Udi and all those folks, Manny at Outreach and Max and all good friends and Udi and those folks over at Gong. And if you just go on their LinkedIn right now, go to the Gong company page and you'll see that, yeah, there's some engagement, but if you go over to like Udi's page and look at his post, way more engagement, right? Like not even close, right? So people like to interact with humans, right? And, And so from a personal branding perspective, if you're an employee, at a company, you have to A, feature everyone within the organization. That's my opinion, right? Like even the SDRs, even like to the extent that you had like a staff that was cleaning the floor, like I would say for them to post stuff, right? So it just gives a different dimension. It humanizes that brand. It starts to kind of give you this window into the company that we never had before. Before it was just like logos and a website, maybe, you know, the last 30 years or so, right? So like being able to leverage the personal brands of the employees is really huge. The other thing that I would say is being able to infuse the personality, like really being authentic about it, right? Like my buddy Gaetano, who was it? Sales hacker, and then he was in Nextiva, and now I'm blanking Aura. Aura, I think it is. Yeah, he's also an advisor at Alice, by the way. Oh, shout out to Gaetano, <laughs> the man. I love him. And he's so raw, right? It's like so raw that sometimes it makes me feel uncomfortable because he's got that New York, like bold New York stuff. And I'm a little shy sometimes, right? But I love it. Like well, he's dropping F-bombs and like got his music because he's a musician as well. And but it's so authentic and real. And I think people really are attracted to that. Now, the key is you do have to like back it up, which Gaetano is probably one of the best marketers I've ever met. He's certainly like the most brilliant SEO guy I've literally ever met. Like I, can't, I don't even understand the stuff he says most of the time, right? So that's an important piece, right? To the whole equation. And it's being able to back it up. So being authentic and those sort of things, but then 
mixing in some some expertise in that communication. So not only is that great for the your company or organization, but it's also great for you personally, right? You mentioned, oh, a lot of people know me or whatnot, which makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I And I think it's like, Early on in my career, I was like, I'm not a HBS, Harvard guy or Stanford. And at the time when I got into startups, there was largely who was running the show in the startup world, these Ivy Leagues, et cetera, right? And so I had to figure out a way, at least in my mind, now this could have just existed in my own mind, but I needed to find a way to kind of like break through the noise. And for me, it was about being courageous and bold for myself and challenging myself. And so being able to build a brand in Silicon Valley, New York City, in these areas I was in was really important. So how did I do that? Do events, right? So I was doing in-person events and I was just doing them for free. Sometimes I'd make money. I started a couple organizations over the years that did this sales for startups and the Soto Venture stuff, that's how it actually started off, where I was just like hacking on projects, launching like little ventures and little hacks, and then the personal branding stuff. And the story behind the name is that, you know, my last name is Soto, and I loved ventures, and it was like this adventure. So it was like my adventures. And then somehow, you know, it sort of like took a life of its own, which is really interesting, because for me, it's just like a joke. In 2015, I was working for Twitter. We had sold a business to Twitter. I ended up leaving Twitter early on to go and do another uh, sales tech thing called Dashtab uh, with some buddies. It didn't quite work out because they didn't want to like get serious and start to compete in the sales enablement or sales engagement space. And we had to because there were players like our friends at Sales Loft and Outreach and et cetera. And so, you know, I was kind of bummed and, and I just said, okay, well, what do I do now? I just quit Twitter. I, I could have kept vesting out there and et cetera. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to launch SotoVentures.com again because I had it before, but it was like, it, it never really like had like a nice brand, et cetera. And then I bought a one-way ticket to Madrid and I was like, I'm just going to start traveling. And so what I would do was I would like record videos like this. And this is, you know, 2015 or so. And uh, I'd get drunk or smoke a joint or something <laughs> and do these interviews with like, and this is uh, maybe the first time I've ever talked about this, but it's hilarious because if in my mind, I was just like talking about this serious stuff, but here I am in like a hostel or hotel or whatever in some place around the world, Brazil, I did it, you know, I was traveling around interviewing venture capitalists and important startup founders. And, you know, we were talking about real stuff, but in my mind, it was kind of, again, like a sort of this like joke or even like, I love the VC community, et cetera, but it, they had passed on me for so many years. I was sort of bitter, you know, as a startup guy. So I was like, you know what? This is sort of an irreverent sort of attitude on everything. Anyways, so yeah, I, I went on a tangent there, but I think the the important thing is to remember what is the reason why you're doing the personal branding stuff? How does it impact your company? How does it impact your career? And then, you know, are you being authentic about it? Because I don't think that you can actually like sustain that if it's not authentic, right? You'll just get tired of like checking the boxes. Yeah, exactly. It's I'm, I'm with you because that actually brings me to like my next point. But like, I feel like 
for me, like bringing my entire self onto a, a platform, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, like I try to bring my whole authentic self. Like I talk about obviously professional stuff, but I also talk about like personal stuff and like it goes to kind of show like how you create like those relationships, relationships with someone. And so it was interesting because I was looking at the Soto Ventures Instagram page and it's your company name, but like your personal life is throughout the, the page. And so something that was prevalent was your holistic and kind of like religious take on life. And do you think, and it goes back to the authentic piece, like what are your thoughts on bringing your entire self onto a platform, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, like what are your thoughts on that to like get to some, know someone deeper than just what they do in their regular job? Yeah, well... My Instagram page is interesting because like Soto Ventures is Max Outchiller over at uh, Outreach Now and Go to Market uh, Fund. He's been a friend for a long time. And he used to sit there and say, he'd kind of like bust my chops a bit and he'd say, what is Soto Ventures? And I was like, I don't know. It's like me. He's like, is it a guy? Is it a... And I was like, I don't know. I mean, it was sort of like art, actually, you know, now that I'm sort of thinking about it. It's like kind of like art, but art in my way, right? So like an art for me, like my whole life was startups. You know, I'm 40 years old now and until about two or three years ago, I had no clue about anything else but startups, right? And that's what I did every day. And as part of that journey, I kind of like realized a lot of things, right? As we always do, midlife crisis, you know, all those kinds of things. And so my Instagram page it's a little more less business. Yeah, it's sort of like personal branding. It's like, I guess I'm an, yeah, I guess I do tag myself as an entrepreneur or whatever as a category, but it's really me expressing myself in a more artistic and spiritual way. Yeah, as a person or whatever you want to call someone like myself, but it's really has a different tone. It's like glimpses of my personal life. I love my dog who I hope you're not hearing him walking around like right now, but um, he's got long nails right now. I got to cut him. But um, spirituality, which has been such a huge aspect of my life the last couple of years, it's sort of where I default at the end of the day, every day. And so I just wanted to leverage that channel to communicate that aspect of myself. So I think like sometimes you'll see business stuff on there, but it's not like my Instagram, that personal like handle is very much for different purposes. It's again, it's like spreading a, a message of self-actualization and enlightenment and things like that. You know, like obviously like I'm not a monk or I'm not a specialist in that arena, but these are things that really are important to me. So I think it's also important to be able to understand on a per channel basis, what do you want to communicate? Like Twitter is largely business for me. LinkedIn, largely business stuff. I will sprinkle in some personal stuff. Sometimes like Twitter's, I get away with like some bold statements sometimes, some existential statements, things like that. But it's generally like the persona or the aspect of myself, I should say. I think that's probably a good way to think about it is like the aspect of myself that I want to communicate on Twitter as a channel is different than my Instagram, is different than my LinkedIn. 
That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it definitely plays in. Like, what kind of role do you think, like, the personal brand that you've created for yourself has kind of played in the growth of, like, Soto Ventures and just, like, what you do in your everyday life? Do you think it's accelerated you? I know everyone likes to talk about People like to talk about, you know, monetizing once you get to a certain level. I mean, you could look at people like Justin Welsh and, like, DG, and you see all these people with, like, incredible successes for the brands that they've created. Like, do you think that you're on that same type of path from what you've been able to do for yourself? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I've toyed with consulting and things like that in the past. I think that the business, I think that the business that I've been able to generate from consulting as an individual was really based on the merits of like what I had done as a professional over the last 21 years or so, right? And so I'm not sure how much of it was attributed only to like the personal branding stuff that I was doing. I I think probably an aspect of it was that like, you know, I got on, I don't know, videos or events and I shared that stuff and I was confident enough, I guess, to be able to communicate my ideas and get up on stage and talk about things that are related to, you know, startup sales and marketing, go to market, et cetera, launching companies, being a founder in a public forum. So I think that probably if people saw that, they're like, all right, well, maybe he knows a little bit about about what he's talking about. But I think it was my ideas were never really like, oh, I'm going to be a consultant and or build my brand for that reason. It was really like, in many ways, it was driven by a lot of insecurity within myself of saying, like I said earlier, it's like, I don't know that I'm smart enough to be in a room with all these people and et cetera. So let me try to show them in some way that I am somewhat versed and have had experiences. A lot of it is also therapeutic. Like even this whole podcast with you, I'm like, <laughs> dumb, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to get off this and be like, oh, I told that story and, you know, let's get it off my chest. I literally developed PTSD from startups over the years, just from like ups and downs and things like that, like risk, when you take risk for so long, and then it bites you in the butt years and years after, and you're like, wow, it's still this hard for some of the same reasons. And then some of the, you know, like totally brand new reasons, right? But I think just to kind of wrap it up around that question, yeah, like, I didn't really think about how I was going to monetize the personal brand directly, because I always wanted to just be a inventor of some technology that was cool, right? So it was less about me personally, but I guess it does definitely help. And what's funny is like, yeah, so now Soto Ventures is like still a weird thing in that I'm so busy with reprise over the last year and change that I haven't done much. We have launched a couple projects over the last year and change, but reprise has been my main focus. But I am really excited about what Jason and team is doing with like charla.cc and then there's a couple other projects we're launching something called uh, on the block.miami which is a sms based like uh, service that allows you to like subscribe to blockchain and nfts and all that and i'm trying to get into that a little bit because i feel like i missed out <laughs> a lot like all my buddies were buying nft or bitcoin and etc all these cryptocurrencies years ago and now they're like somewhere you know retired and 
whatnot. No, I'm just kidding. They're not retired, but I felt like I did miss it a bit. So I'm, I'm trying to dip my sort of like hand in that a bit and learn a little more because I'm a SaaS person, right? Like I'm just a SaaS guy and I've always been, or I should say the last 13, 14 years. So certainly focused on SaaS. So yeah, so that continues to be a creative outlet for me and an incubate and play with ideas. And we'll see if any of those things end up popping, but that's kind of still this sandbox that I play in. I love it. So we're coming up on time. So I got just a few last questions for you. So what's kind of like your favorite resource, like that you kind of rely on to like keep up to speed? Like, I feel like you're everywhere from like the perspective of like, I see your name, like pop up, like, like all these places. Like, what do you do in your free time? Good question. Now in 2022, my free time is literally free time. I have to, right? Like when I say free time, it's like I'm not occupied with anything related to reprise or any sort of other like creative projects. I spend time just in, it sounds weird, but I spend time in silence and a lot of meditation, yoga. I became a yoga teacher. Oh, nice. um, certified yoga teacher in Q4 of last year. I don't teach like for money. I, it's really for myself. Spent a lot of time in just dipping into the esoteric spiritual topics I was talking about. And when I say spirituality, I'm not speaking to any specific religion or whatnot. I'm saying just in general, even though I was born and raised Catholic, I've really been able to learn personally to embrace all religions. So I spent a lot of time there. I spent a lot of time trying to eat right for me is different than someone else, but so spending time doing those things, making my own food, hanging out with Arthur, my, my dog, my girlfriend, Liz and her son, who's like sort of like a, a son to me, although he's got a great dad. So shout out to good dads and spending time with my dad my mom whenever she's in town because she's a couple hours north in Tampa. So balance is so important just because I didn't have that for years and years and years, right? Like I just grinded it out. I felt like I could, if I tried hard enough that I could like push the universe to achieve some level of success that I wanted to. And I realized that like it's burnout is real. Yeah, I didn't. That's sort of what I was alluding to a couple of years ago. It happened to me, and I was like, "Whoa!" And you know, all that stress and anxiety and all this stuff that had built up over years of just working, it all it hits you. And so, I think balance is more key these days than ever before. And so, yeah, I, I try to achieve a lot of that in my quote unquote free time. Love that. Love that. All right. So, last question for you. If this show, mostly the people that listen to it are B2B marketers. And so if you could give one piece of advice to B2B marketers that want to just start kind of get started with like building their own brand, what would you recommend? Yeah, well, I would say that there's a couple of things that I would do. I know you said one piece of advice, but I'll sort of consolidate it and open up a Word document and list out the topics that you feel most passionate about, you know, and so you might come up with, I don't know, six or seven topics, start to focus on those, let's say top three topics or so that you feel like you could be inspired to write content about, to create content like video content about 
and dark social stuff, putting that out there and starting to have drive conversation on the channels. So that's the first thing. What are those topics? What's your voice? Are you irreverent? Are you quirky? You know, whatever it is, right? So pick, think about what that voice or tone is going to be as well. Then think about your channels. You know, what are you going to do on LinkedIn? What are you going to do on Twitter? I would say Instagram and, and the other ones, like, I don't know anything about TikTok and all that. I know it's popping, but I guess, I don't know. I've just been acutely focused on on Twitter and and the channels that, that I know. Now, I'm not saying not do it. And this is just what I can speak to, right? So think about that. Think about what you're going to do on those channels, what your voice going to be like. And I would say, you know, launch a content series. Now that content series could be audio visual like this one, for example, or it could be just written short form, long form. But I would say start to also do that. The last thing I would say, just because we can go on forever, is just do it. Don't overthink it. Is it going to be great or people are going to like it? Who cares? Like That's one thing that I will stand behind is I never gave a shit really if anybody cared. Certainly, like I'm sure that <laughs> I don't know if anyone still cares, but I didn't care because it was all about me, right? So it was all about like me being like what I wanted to put out in the world. And if one person saw it and saw value, you know, that's awesome too, because I could then go back and say, you know what, but I'm putting out the stuff that I want to put out in the world and I can stand behind that. So don't overthink it, just go for it, put together a uh, plan and it's all going to work out and consistency. And it's going to take a while. Like I've been doing startup stuff, like I said, two decades, right? The content stuff, I was looking at a blog that I created. Actually, if you Google entrepreneurial diaries, there's a blog that I launched many, many years ago on like Blogspot that'll come up and you'll see. So like you got to do it for a long time too. And the search engines will start indexing things and things like that. But then you'll also have this history of stuff. So people will look at and be like, okay, well, you know, this individual, they've been, they've been at it for a while. And so I think there's a certain level of like respect or yeah, maybe it's respect or acknowledgement that you sort of gain when you've been doing something for a while. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you, man. That was fire advice for sure. Last question, we're like, where can people go connect with you? I want to make sure because I want to drop this in the show notes. Like, Where should people go to find you at the end of the day? Yeah. So all channels, certainly if you're a B2B marketer or salesperson or revenue leader, I, I post content all the time on LinkedIn. So it's uh, LinkedIn forward slash in whatever forward slash Soto Ventures. So you can just go on there or search for me on LinkedIn. Hopefully I come up uh, at Twitter. Of course, my handle is at Soto Ventures. So I should be, I hopefully I have Soto Ventures that handle across most channels. I have it on TikTok and all that, but I, I haven't posted anything on there yet. So maybe I'll get into that at some point here. Instagram, if you want to see a little bit more of my other aspect of myself, as I was mentioning earlier. And yeah, Facebook, but Facebook's really more for connecting with family and things like that. So these days seeing my aunts and uncles and cousins around the world posting stuff. So, but I do post some stuff there, but I don't think anybody on this show is going to be interested in that. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. I'll make sure to drop some links in there for the show notes too. And for everyone, you know, listening, make sure to go follow George, like give him a shout out, like follow Reprise, follow Charla, follow all these things. Make sure to kind of follow all the incredible things. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to, to learn from you. You've got a wealth of knowledge. So I can't wait to share this with everyone else. Well, thank you so much, Nick. You're an absolute rock star. I've been following your content now for a while, and I really appreciate you uh, bringing me on the show. And especially the guests who have been on here have been really phenomenal. And so I'm really honored to be one of the individuals that's been given this opportunity and be associated with their company. Appreciate that so much. Thank you again. We'll catch you all soon on the next episode of Rep Your Brand. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.